Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My name is Jenna, and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody. Time for a really necessary episode. Um, This is a question that I get literally all the time, probably two or three times a day at least, maybe even more than that. Um, So how do I do exposures for intrusive thoughts? If you've not yourself asked someone this question, um, you've probably definitely wondered it or Googled it or asked someone else, right? So this is a really impossible and complex question. Um, And so I'm just wanting to make an episode about it to hopefully clear the air, give some really good information to both therapists who are dealing with this and also uh, obviously people who have OCD. So I'm going to get into it today. And this is, like I said, a really common question. And I can understand why people have these questions, right? People, especially in the beginning of their recovery journey, they're learning about intrusive thoughts. Um... And I'm going to say thoughts because that's just the typical uh, wording that I get and that I hear. Um, But as we know, obviously, intrusive experiences can be not just thoughts, right? They can be images, impulses, urges, feelings, um, and also thoughts. So whole range of experiences there that can happen. Um, But I can see why someone would have this question, especially in the early stages of their recovery journey, their learning about intrusive thoughts and they're learning about exposures, um, probably two concepts or two terms that they did not know about before um, and that are just new buzzwords that they're wanting to learn more of. Um, So I get it. But when I'm asked this question or when I see this question being asked, I cringe a little bit inside because it's not that simple, you guys. It's By asking that question, it's assuming that it can be answered in a really simplistic way. Um, And especially on social media, right? Or via email, I get this question sometimes from people who I'm not directly working with. Aside from how complicated of a question that is and how in-depth we would need to go to actually give you a good response... um, We can't give advice over social media. We can't give therapeutic or specific guidance or direction online, especially on social media. 
Uh, every day people try and whether it's with me or with someone else, we shouldn't be and can't be giving you that direct therapeutic guidance or those interventions online. It's just not uh, therapeutic. It's not legal. <laughs> um, so that's why you may not be hearing back from some of these professionals. But quite frankly, it's just not enough information. It's not enough information by a long shot. So I'm going to go into today uh, kind of why this is such a loaded question um, and what we should be asking instead, what we should be getting curious about instead. Um, so again, it's really important that you are working with a therapist who understands OCD. If you are having intrusive thoughts or intrusive experiences, it's critically important that you're working with a therapist who understands obsessive compulsive disorder and that they also understand and have experience doing exposure and response prevention. I've done plenty of other episodes in the past about how other types of interventions for obsessive compulsive disorder that aren't focused on exposure and response prevention, how they can not only be not helpful, but they can also, you know, to some degree be detrimental or actually uh, not just stall your progress, but actually do more damage than good. And that's definitely not what we're wanting. So you know, I really want you all to find someone you can collaborate with, identify exposures with, tr do those treatment interventions who will be good for you given the totality of your circumstances and the totality of your situation because it's so much more complicated than I have intrusive thoughts. What exposure should I do? Um, and if you're not able to afford a therapist, uh, which I totally understand, and for many reasons, a lot of people aren't able to access it for one reason or another, there are so many good self-help options out there. Um, so Kimberly Quinlan has a really great course called ERP School. Uh, Nathan Peterson has a really awesome uh, self-guided and self-directed course online too. Not sponsored by these guys at all. I just really respect their work. Um, and I think that if you don't have access to a therapist, those are two really great options in addition to obviously all the education uh, that I hope to provide on this podcast. So when we're talking about exposures for intrusive thoughts, my brain as a provider goes to hierarchy development. So hierarchy development, if you're not aware, is the process of creating exposures in a hierarchical fashion. So ideally, exposures, which are those anxiety-provoking events that someone with anxiety or OCD, you know, it's, they need to be doing, they need to be doing these exposures, purposefully putting themselves in these anxiety-provoking situations with the intention of not doing these safety behaviors or compulsions or rituals. We need to, with our clients or with our therapists, from whatever perspective you're listening, we need to collaborate together to create a hierarchy. And it's called a hierarchy because it works in a hierarchical fashion. So, you know, sometimes we'll use a zero to 10 scale with zero being not difficult at all, 10 being the most difficult. Um, you could use a zero to 100, whatever you want to do. Um, sometimes that's not even that concrete of a process. You're just kind of, you know, throwing ideas out there, identifying how difficult it would be for you to do, so on and so forth. But hierarchy development is just more generally that process of identifying a plan or identifying the trajectory and kind of formatting for what kinds of exposures you're going to be doing. I see hierarchy development and therefore kind of my beginnings of how I would answer this question, how do I do exposures for intrusive thoughts? 
I see this process as really having four different levels, four different levels of information that we as therapists need to be asking, or you guys as people with OCD need to be providing to your therapist and or, you know, just being curious about yourself. So four levels, and that's why this is so not a simple question to answer. You need four more pieces of information. One, I at least need your subtype. And even saying that bothers me because I'm not a huge fan of the subtypes. I think I have a podcast episode on this. I don't necessarily want to get rid of them altogether. Don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But I have a big issue with subtypes because I feel like our emphasis on subtypes, even though there's definitely good inherent in it, like uh, creating community and providing clinical information to therapists and whatnot. It also uh, prevents and deters people from getting to understand that it's not actually about the subtype at all. Like OCD is not about contamination. OCD is not about pedophilic fears. OCD is not about relationship doubts. It's about doubt. Doubt. It's about doubt. The intolerance of uncertainty. Um, that's why typically people have more than one subtype. That's typically why people have, you know, they recover from one and then all of a sudden it kind of whack-a-moles onto another type. Before I get off on a tangent on that, before I can even think about developing any exposures for you, how do I do exposures for intrusive thoughts? I at least need a subtype. I at least need some kind of direction to go down. And that even isn't the best or like greatest or more most comprehensive piece of information, but I got to have something to seek my teeth and sink my teeth into. Got to at least have the subtype or subtypes because people, as I've mentioned, have several at times and that's very typical actually. So first we need the subtype. Second, I need to know even more than that. What are you afraid of? So when it, you know, is even above and beyond just the subtype like contamination, what is it that you're afraid of? Are you afraid of getting sick? Or are you afraid of getting other people sick? Or both? Are you afraid of uh, bodily fluids? Or are you afraid of poisons, chemicals? I need more than just the subtype. I need more than just I have intrusive thoughts. I also need to know the specifics of what it is that you're afraid of. So that's number two. Number three is beyond that, even one step further, what are the core fears? Okay, so let's say that you are afraid of getting sick. What would be so bad about that? What would be so terrible about getting sick? Why? Then what? Then what? Then what? This is a really commonly used intervention in ERP and in therapy. It's called the downward arrow technique to essentially take a fear or an anxiety or a worry and get to what it is that we call the core fear or core fears. So what would be so bad about that? Let's say that that did happen. What would that mean? What would that mean about you? And then what? And then what? It's really helpful for us to learn the core fears because as I mentioned before, talking about subtypes, it's not about contamination. It's more so about the core fear. And that's why we have generally a core fear, or in my opinion, it's possible to have several core fears. And those core fears are what typically is banding together 
all of these more superficial subtypes. So I think of it as instead of like a single, like single balloons that are separate from each other, like single individualized balloons, like I have contamination over here, I have sexual orientation, OCD over here, I have perfectionism over here. I actually think of these balloons as being more of bouquets that are actually way more commonly uh, experienced and have a lot more in common with each other, and they're bound by the core fear. So core fear of being anxious forever, core fear of being ostracized and judged by society, core fear of being alone, core fear of being a bad person, whatever it might be. You know, if we look at that core fear, then we'll start to see like, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense why my subtype has changed from, you know, relationship OCD to now sexual orientation OCD or vice versa or whatever. It's not actually all that different because the core fear we would realize is actually kind of the same or the same. So I need to know the subtype at least, need to know what it is that you're afraid of, and I need to know the core fear or core fears. Those are the first three. And even then, you guys, even then, that's not enough information. I still need to know at least the fourth item here, which are what are your specific triggers and goals? What are the things that you are no longer able to do that you want to do? What are the things that you want to do less of? In what ways is OCD impacting your life and causing you distress? What would your life look like ideally that you're not able to do? What would your morning look like? What would your relationships with others look like? What would your job look like? What would it look like for you to go to bed at night? A really thoroughly detailed, you know, take on, you know, where is it that you would like to be? Where is it now that you are? And what are the barriers? What's getting in the way of, of you know, what are the barriers in between that and, and this, you know, values-driven life that you would like to have that OCD is getting in the way of? So it's not that simple. You cannot expect a good answer by just asking, how do I do exposures for intrusive thoughts? If it was that simple, therapists wouldn't have jobs, right? We we are masters at our craft because it takes so much more than just, okay, boom, you have intrusive thoughts. Here's a good list for you to work on. Um, because with intrusive thoughts, right, there's so much there. When it comes to intrusive thoughts, you could have intrusive thoughts that are uh, sexual in nature, intrusive thoughts that are uh, harm-based in nature. Uh, you could have thoughts of harming yourself. You could have thoughts of harming someone else. Uh, you could have moral intrusive thoughts, scrupulosity-based intrusive thoughts. There's so much there that's so heavy to say that you need exposures for intrusive thoughts. Well, where do we even start? There's so much there. And so even at the very superficial level, right, we have those subtypes. Contamination is much different from pedophilic OCD. It's much different from perfectionism. And of course, like I mentioned, there is some overlap and many people do experience that overlap. But, you know, it's really important to know more. You need all four of those pieces of information. So we're going to take a quick break here and then I'll be back and I will talk you guys through like a couple examples. Um, we'll try to go through from like the basic information that I receive to kind of where my brain goes as the therapist. And hopefully that will be helpful in giving you guys some 
inside knowledge or some insight into what it's like for me when I hear the this information and what questions I want to ask. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. I've often said that one of my favorite go-to self-care routines is to get my nails done. But if you're like me, then you just can't justify salon prices or the harshness that these bring to your nails. Olive in June allows you to get the salon quality manicures and pedicures at home. You can easily go up to seven days without chipping, you don't have to leave the house, and you can finally stop spending $35 or more every two weeks on getting them done. For $10 off your first order, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com and click on deals. All right, guys, we're back. And my hope now is we'll do a quick review um, of the four pieces of information that I need to answer this question, even to have a shot in the dark at answering this question for someone I'm working with. Um, and then I'll take you through some examples and kind of a beginning to end-ish. So first, we need the subtype. Second, I need to know what you're afraid of. Three, I'd love to get to know more about the core fears. Four, I need to know what are your specific triggers and goals, right? What are the day-to-day day -day things that you're uh, being impacted by? What are you wanting to do that you're no longer able to do? So even if we have the subtype, right? So even if someone were to say, oh, I think I have pedophilic OCD, or I have scrupulosity, or I have contamination, still not enough information, but let's just go with it, right? So let's say someone comes to me and they have contamination OCD. Should I assume that this person is fearful of bodily fluids or they're afraid of getting sick? Uh, maybe they're afraid of food contamination or chemicals. Um, there's so much under that umbrella of contamination right there. Like I could probably go on and on and on and on. Um, same for pedophilic OCD, right? So are you afraid of teenagers? Are you afraid of toddlers or babies? Are you afraid of boys, girls, or are you afraid of both? It doesn't matter. Um, morality OCD, right? So someone who's really obsessive and compulsive about feeling like they need to do the right thing and they're responsible for, uh, you know, curbing disasters, so on and so forth. Are you afraid in a more social sense that others will judge you if you don't do the right thing? Or are you more uh, afraid of the anxiety, like I'm going to be anxious forever if I do the wrong thing? Or are you afraid more in the responsibility sense? Like if something bad happens, then that's my fault and I have to carry that, right? So I'm hopeful that you guys are starting to see, and I could do this for every subtype, hate subtypes, but anyway, hopefully you're starting to see what I'm trying to get at here, which is that there's so many different directions that these things can, can go, right? So it's not enough to just say I have pedophilic OCD, I have sexual orientation OCD, it's not enough. And if you are currently in therapy, that's awesome, but your therapist shouldn't stop there, right? We cannot stop there because we need to know more in-depth information because there are so many differences even within the subtypes, right? So that is helpful for us to know what it is that they're afraid of. And it's usually not one thing, right? So someone with pedophilic OCD, they may be afraid of, like I said, boys and girls that might not matter. But you do need to ask those questions because if you're just throwing random exposures at this person to look at a magazine with uh, just girls, 
maybe girls aren't triggering for them. Maybe it's boys, right? So you need to ask the right questions. You need to get as much information as possible um, and do a really good thorough functional analysis of all these things. So from there, even if we have the subtype, even if we have the more specific information about what it is that are that's triggering, what it is that is scary for this person, we still would love to know more about the core fears, right? And like I mentioned earlier, this is when we would do the downward arrow technique. So you can look up more information about this online, but pretty simple to do. So this is typically when a therapist or you could just ask yourself, right? Like, my greatest fear is that I would just be anxious forever. Okay, what would be so bad about that? Well, I would just, you know, be anxious forever and I wouldn't be able to do the things that I want to do. What would be so bad about that? Let's let's just say that that is what happened. What would be so bad about being so highly anxious forever that you're not able to do the things that you want to do? Well, I would miss out on being able to get married and have a family. What would be so bad about that? If you weren't able to get married and have a family, then then what would that mean? What would that mean about you or how would that feel? What would be so bad about that? Well, I would end up alone forever and I would ha- just live my life in regret. And you can keep doing this and doing this until you kind of hit a dead end. And I think once you guys get to that dead end, it's going to become pretty evident of like, wow, it's actually about that. It's, it's never actually been about the boys in the magazines. It's never actually been about this other person that I thought that I might be attracted to. And so I'm not a- attracted to my partner anymore. Like it, it's not actually about that, right? It's about, you know, guilt or living in regret or being alone. And then you'll start to see, like I mentioned with the balloon example, right? Like you'll start to see like, wow, these quote unquote subtypes that I thought were so unique and existing singularly before, they're actually kind of banded together by this core fear. And so these core fears are really important. And I'm a big believer that we need to actually address and work on the core fear or core fears, because there are probably so many other areas where these things are coming up. It's not just, you know, with kids, right? It's probably coming up with in, in a lot of other ways. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But this just brings to attention that two individuals who are fearful of kids or have pedophilic OCD, one might be fearful of getting ostracized from society and being alone forever. Another person might be afraid of actually liking these images and being a disgusting person. And what would that mean about me? Another person who has the same exact subtype and the same exact triggers That person's fearful of disappointing their family. Another person is fearful of being punished and being thrown in jail forever. So this person, so many people, they can have pedophilic OCD. They would all present as saying, I have intrusive thoughts. I have pedophilic OCD. I'm afraid of, um, I'm triggered by kids. I'm triggered by teenagers. All different core fears. If we don't identify those core fears, we're not pushing it to where we need to, to go. And we're treating it superficially. We're treating the OCD very superficially and we're not dismantling that band that kind of bands those balloons together. So all of these individuals too will be potentially doing different exposures and there are different things that those people can work on. So a person who is afraid of going to jail forever and being punished, maybe we need to take them to do a tour of a jail. I've totally done that before and it's been really effective. Maybe I have them drive by the police station 
someone else who doesn't resonate with that core fear, it's not going to do anything for them. It's not going to do anything for them. Someone who is fearful of being ostracized from society, I would ask that person, in what other areas of your life does this come up? And what other ways can we kind of poke the bear of the fear of being ostracized from society? And how do we face this? If you're fearful of, say, disappointing your family, again, I bet you this comes up in other areas too. You're probably a a people pleaser or someone who can't be late to family events or can't forget a birthday because you don't want to disappoint your family. So maybe we need to push the envelope in that area too, because chances are it's also coming up in that area. So maybe I have you do something that disappoints your family a little bit. Maybe I have you be late to a family event or give uh, constructive feedback to a family member or state a uh, an opinion that might differ from a family member, maybe say no when they ask you for help. So these are all different trajectories, right? Same intrusive thoughts, potentially same fears, same um, subtype, but going off in all these different directions. And they would all have very different hierarchies and different trajectories for care. And they're all going to be individually tailored to their unique needs, which is what a hierarchy should be. So then the final piece here, right? So even if you tell me that you have intrusive thoughts, even if you, you know, say I, I'm, I have fears of a ped- pedophilic nature, I have pedophilic OCD, and that your core fear is going to jail forever and being punished, it's still not enough information to give you a really high quality and unique and specified treatment plan. I still need more information. I need to know in what specific ways this fear comes up for you on a day-to-day basis. I need to know in what ways this fear impacts you in your day-to-day life and what ways it kind of holds you back. If you take a different route to work that's longer and makes you late because you don't want to go past a jail or a school. If you have kids and you're afraid to have a kid, but you really want to have a kid, but you're afraid to because of the diaper changing and the bath time and all that stuff. Do you stay up at night listening to see if there are police sirens waiting to come and get you? Those are all things that I want to target. I want your exposures to be relevant. I want you to see why you're doing them. I want your work and doing these hard things to actually have an impact on your life so you can know why it's necessary to do this work and so you're motivated to keep going and to keep experiencing these changes in your life. I'm not a fan of the basic exposures of writing trigger words or uh, looking at images even, or even scripts, honestly. And of course, I use these things from time to time, but it's really as a last resort, as a last ditch effort, or it's just to kind of get our feet in the door to kind of test things out. Um, I really like to ask people how their life is being impacted, what are the things that they want to be able to do that the OCD prevents them from being able to do, and how I can help them do those things. I think it's also really effective from a therapist's point of view to try to put yourself in their shoes as much as possible. Like if I had these, if I had this subtype, if I had these fears, if I had this core fear, how would my day be different, right? Like I woke up, I went to the gym, I took my son to school, I came home and I played with my dogs a little bit, I got ready for work, I'm working alone right now. If I had this subtype, if I you know, had all the fears and all the core fears that they struggle with, how would that be different? And I like to have that conversation with them. It just really helps me kind of picture and, and visualize all the exposures that might be helpful. So from there, we go from how do I do exposures about intrusive thoughts to, well, 
now we know that this person has pedophilic OCD. We know this person is afraid of teenage girls, for example. We know this person has a core fear of being ostracized from society, a fear of disappointing their family. And we know that this, this is all an example, by the way, we know this gets in the way of this person's life because she often does things with other people when she doesn't necessarily want to. Um, she's a people pleaser. So for instance, she would love to spend more time by herself. She's a little bit of an introvert, um, but she's afraid of spending time alone because it makes her uncomfortable. It makes her feel lonely. And those feelings and those experiences trigger her to think of, oh my gosh, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be ostracized from society, so on and so forth. We also know from talking to this example person that these fears get in the way of her life because she's afraid to go to places like the park or swimming pools uh, with her nieces and nephews, for example. Uh, so maybe I would have this person do something a little non-conventional, uh, perhaps not going to a family event, perhaps being late for it. Maybe I would also have them... I don't know, go to a movie theater alone, go and do something alone that they would normally have to do or want to do with someone else. And maybe we trigger that feeling of being ostracized. We would also certainly have this person go to parks, go to swimming pools and whatever else that they would say is hard for them that they want to be able to do. So we'll go through one more example here. Let's turn the tables a little bit and work with relationship OCD. So someone comes to me and says that they have relationship OCD. Okay, how do I do exposures for intrusive thoughts? I have relationship OCD. I do a little bit more digging and I do the downward arrow technique and I identify that this person is afraid that they're with the wrong person. The core fear is that they will live in regret forever, that they'll be old and look back on their life with a ton of regret. So we know this gets in the way because of our conversations together, gets in the way of their life because this person wants to talk about a future uh, with their partner, but they have doubts about whether they're 100% sure, um, if they, they don't want to commit, they want to wait until they feel 100% sure. I would encourage this person to talk as an exposure, talk about their future together with their partner, perhaps go and look at wedding dresses or tuxedos, and to continue to entertain and to actually lean into these fears. I would also have this person maybe do some other decisions that they really want to do um, or make other decisions that they really need to make but may regret. So even something as simple as buying something at the grocery store without being 100% sure or getting a gift for someone without being 100% sure. Maybe they've also wanted a tattoo, but they're also afraid. They want to be 100% sure of that. Uh, so they keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Might be a good exposure for them to just go and get the freaking tattoo, right? So my point is that fear of committing to a relationship is not actually in how it presents itself with OCD, might not actually be all functionally that different from the, or, or totally wildly different um, in the balloon analogy of them being fearful of getting that tattoo, right? So it's still the need for 100% certainty. It's still that intolerance of doubt. So the point is that these core fears generally do not just come up either in these superficial prescribed forms, the way that those subtypes want us to believe, right? So um, pedophilic OCD may be fearful of being ostracized in a lot of other ways than just how it shows up with fear of kids. And just like with the relationship OCD example, they're probably fearful of guilt and regret in a lot of other ways than just how it shows up in their relationship. 
So I think knowing these core fears and knowing the nuances about their lives um, and about how, how OCD impacts them is uh, it allows for a total customization of the treatment plan. And that's really what ERP should be. It should be customized to that person and to what it is that they're struggling with. I'm a big believer that you should be able to take two people who have the same subtype essentially and their hierarchy should look totally different. So as providers, we need to be more creative than just, oh, here's my go-to list of exposures for moral OCD. Here's my go-to list of exposures for sexual orientation OCD. Of course, those are fine to go to, um, to kind of generate creativity and, and not that you won't find anything there, but you still have to personalize the treatment plan to that uh, specific individual. So with that said, please know that this question is so much more complicated than just saying you have intrusive thoughts. It is so much more complex than that. And that might feel scary, but it doesn't have to be because you just need to start getting curious about it and be willing to dig deeper and to know that you owe it to yourself. If you're a therapist who's listening, you owe it to your clients to be able to give them that full customization of a really solid and unique treatment plan. So hopefully now you have a few ways of brainstorming how to do that. I hope this was helpful. Now, please go get curious about your intrusive experiences. Consider the questions I posed here. Remember, we at least would need to know your subtype. We would need to know what it is that triggers that fear. What are the things that you're fearful of? Try to do some digging about those sneaky core fears. And finally, what are the things that OCD gets in the way of? What are the ways that you want to be living your life that OCD uh, prevents you from? And go from there. So that's all for me for next time. Until then, guys, keep doing all the hard things. For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overba and tune into some other episodes here while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other people who need these resources and they otherwise may not get them. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.